Welcome to the Superpower Success Podcast. At Keystone, we believe exceptional organizations don't just happen. They are built by focused leaders that recognize their authentic leadership superpowers. Join us for a serious dose of inspiration. With the launch of my second book, The Culture Climb, we are making available to you three free amazing tools that will help you get started in creating a better culture for your team. Go to www.thecultureclimb.com and download your free copies today. Welcome everybody to the Superpower Success Podcast. I have got a treat for you today. Um, coming to us from Denver, Colorado, like one of my favorite places on the entire planet. Um, Marnie Andes is here. She's a leadership coach. She's a keynote speaker. She's an author. Um, she's the owner of Dynamic Intention. She's just a badass. And I can say that on my podcast because it's my podcast, but like <laughs> having met you, I'm like, I'm so excited to have you on here. Thanks well, for thanks for having me. I mean, the badassness that's a word is like <laughs> now. right back at you. So <laughs> I love it. And you know, we're we're in the same world kind of, a little mm-hmm. bit, right? In the work we do and helping organizations grow and evolve. And we see leaders of all, you know, makes and models and where they've been at in their leadership journey. And so I'm really excited to hear your wisdom and kind of what you see, right? And that leadership space too, to share with the leaders that listen in here. Um, but I first, I'd love you to start with your journey, right? What has that journey been like as, as many of us, right? It's more of a jungle gym than it is a career ladder and, and kind of has those ebbs and flows. So, so what has that journey to success been like for you? Well, it's the way you described it, it's actually very familiar to me because it does feel like that. I mean, I, um, I'm actually starting to describe my career in this way now. The first decade was um, sort of trying to figure out what I wanted to do, navigating some things by working for employers internally, also doing some consulting work during my first um, decade. Then the second decade was actually working internally for organizations, working some for some big organizations, Fortune 5, and and others and this last part and i say last because i i don't know what the decade afterwards if it's actually a career type mindset but i would say the decade i'm in is actually going back to my roots of consulting mm-hmm. and doing the work the way i've always envisioned doing it not to say that i haven't been able to do that internally when i worked in with employers but certainly doing it in a way where you know i get to step back really step back and be able to be an outsider looking in, but then also being familiar enough with the industries that my clients are in to be able to say, I know what's worked, or I know the story you've been told for a long time, maybe in organizational development space. And let me help you sort of navigate that one more effectively and, and, and and far more impactful for employees. But it's my story is really I would say unique in this way, which was my undergrads in secondary education. I I was supposed to be a middle school teacher. (laughs) And so I actually taught um, outside of Kansas City, which was called Raytown, Missouri. It was one of the what I would describe as the one some of the first inner city feeds after Kansas City. And so, I mean, that was an incredible journey for me because I am a born and bred farm kid. And so I graduated with 15 kids. And so when I went to do my undergraduate and then took my first job in Kansas City, it was kind of like, 
Well, one, I, I don't know that I actually thought about it at the time, but it, what happened was I had people going, you, you're now teaching a population of kids that you never even grew up with, right? So there was so much learning there. So I started out as a, a teacher. Uh, by the time I made my way back to Lincoln, Nebraska for about a semester where I taught, I just decided that it was more interesting to me to be able to teach adult learners. And I was um, had the really cool pleasure of working with um, a teacher when I was student teaching who was like the tech teacher. He was always on the cusp of it at the time, which in mid 90s was you didn't really hear about a lot of technology in the classroom. So I was in a social studies, social topics classroom where every kid had a computer and so everything was digital. And I was like, you know what? I bet there's a way there's some program out there where I could go get a master's degree and I could teach adults. And I could still be in technology. And I found two of them. One was at the University of Arizona and one was at the University of Colorado, Denver. And so I ended up making my way to Colorado thinking, ah, it's not too far from Nebraska and I can go get my master's degree. And without like going into every single detail there, getting my master's degree in information and learning technologies honestly just put me on this path of working with all these different organizations doing instructional design, doing leadership coaching, doing facilitation. And, and that has really just been sort of like the ignite piece in my life that sort of led me to this, the path that I've been on now. Yeah. And I love that path of the 10 years kind of going into a company full-time and then coming back out, because I think you can exist in these large companies, a lot of leaders listening, right? Work for larger companies and you can be an entrepreneur, right? And you can be almost an internal consultant, right? If the company allows you to be in terms of those ideas, right? And helping people think differently, Mm -hmm. there's totally a way to do it in the right companies. Right. I actually think that in our space, I've, I've shared this with people before that I think one of the most helpful mindsets I experienced internally when working for organizations was to have that entrepreneur type mindset. Like you're in here helping people navigate. You're you're looking at data. You're looking at how people are reacting. You're trying to figure out what's the business trying to do. You're 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 asking more questions then you are talking because you have to go in with a consultative type of mindset to really to really understand i i've i've you know been asked to to speak to different groups that are in this space and and a lot of times i said one of the biggest i think things to keep yourself stagnant in leadership development or or program development is to actually just assume that the, the the way you do programs are just sort of like this, or you sort of do manager onboarding like this. And it's like, y- you can't do that. You can, you can, I know there's a lot of programs like that. I mean, you've seen them too, I'm sure, Jamie. I mean, you can do that and people will still get sort of an uptick, but if you're really doing your job, I feel like you've gotta be a consultant inside the organization. And it's gotta be fresh and different perspectives mm-hmm. constantly. So when you look back at those kind of three decades and just different approaches and, and where you're at, is there a leadership moment that stands out that really shaped who you are as a leader, right? How you think, like, do you remember any of those specific moments? Mm-hmm. I do. It's interesting. I think about a lot of really cool successes, like awesome type celebrations with teams that I've led or maybe getting off a of facilitation Uh, I always like to do stuff with people. I mean, I obviously speak independently and do keynotes 
speeches, but I also love to facilitate with uh, teammates. So there's, I have all those, like those flood in for me, but it's interesting. I, you know, the whole idea around that we learn usually more from our failures or, or those like really like uncomfortable big moments in your career. And I would say that's probably for me, a leadership moment that stands out. I, I actually talk about this in my book um, because it, it was that big of a deal for me. But the, the interesting thing is after I, I share with you some tidbits of the story, it continues to play out for me being a really big moment. So I, I, I think when you ask that question, that's where I go. I was, um, it was in my second decade. Mm-hmm. So I was internal in an organization and um, I had been with the organization for a few years and um, had a new boss come in. My team and I had been developing a leadership development coaching program that quite frankly, when I was hired, it was it was kind of like everything in the kitchen sink. I, I'd been brought in as the head of talent, which has a lot of stuff under the umbrella. If you have anybody that's in there who's listening, that's that's been in that role or someone who's like, oh, that's my partner in the organization. But I mean, it was everything from you know, can we stand up online learning to um, performance reviews, to succession plans, to leadership development programs, onboarding. I mean, it was the whole gamut. So we had been working really, really hard around that, but we had specifically identified with an organization restructure that we really, really needed some middle management, leadership and coaching. And, and not just the standard, let's just go buy a program off the shelf. Like we really needed to get in there and help these people because at the time it was an industry that you just didn't have a lot of people to look around at. Like we were the leading industry in that particular space. So I fast forward, um, my team's been working on this. We have an awesome strategic plan for all of it. And I find myself sitting in a meeting with the president of the company and my new boss, who was the head of HR. And I knew, I knew with the new relationship with my boss that there was a consultant that she wanted to bring in or a program that she actually wanted to use instead. But I hadn't heard that much from her in the recent meetings that I'd had with her. So I, I kind of thought about it, but then I didn't think about it. I was like, I know what I'm coming to this meeting to do is provide the strategic direction to the president and my boss is here to help support me. I get into the meeting and he said, asks, what is the direction that we're going? And my boss comes out with, you know, we're looking to use a, a program like this. We're using this consultant, and I am com- complete. I am completely caught off guard. And you know, of course, you know how it is where you're like, in my head, I'm having an Ally McBeal moment where I'm like, what, what is happening right now? But you know, you're trying but to you're be like, keep oh. it together. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. you're like, oh, that's really interesting that this is happening right now. And I had that moment where, well, here's what rushed through my head. I can't believe this is happening with my new boss. Oh my God, I am i cannot believe this is happening. I'm in this position. Two, I have a really good plan. I believe in it. It's, it's valuable. It's already been presented to a number of senior leaders. Everybody has the buy-in. I mean, this is like, th- this is good stuff. And I'm thinking about my team who has worked their butts off getting all this stuff ready. And I'm thinking, this is a do or die moment for me. I am either gonna succumb to saying, okay, if that's what you want to do, okay, you know, I can lead that. Or I can sit there and decide that I'm going to still move forward with my strategic plan all the while in the back of my head, I'm going this, okay, this is the moment I may get fired today. And I sat there what felt like probably a year, which was maybe 30 seconds. And he's looking at me and I just said, no, I'd like you to look at the strategic plan that 
my team and I have put together. And let's just let's just talk openly about both of these options and let's figure out which direction. Well, you know, at the end of it, I could tell he didn't want to make a decision and I could tell he knew sort of there was just like an uneasiness in the room. And so basically he said, well, why don't we consider both of these and put it in front of, you know, a group of people that could assess both of them and we could, you know, decide from there. (laughs) And I will say this, that wasn't the win to me, but it was okay because actually it put us on this path. We did end up having, uh, I think my, one of my teammates call it like the training runoff or whatever, but we did end up doing it our strategic plan is what was chosen by the organization. And we moved on around about our day. Now, here's where the story, I kind of close it up. Six months later, my boss still brought in this consultant, signed the contract and ended up moving along with that program, at which time I did finally decide to leave the organization. But this is important, not because I wanted to tell a story about a boss that obviously we didn't see or had alignment. It's not about that, but it is about those big moments where as a leader, I think in order for you to be in a position, have those big moments and not feel like, oh my God, did I do the right thing? I never walked away wondering if I did the right thing that day and knew I did the right thing. I did the right thing by me, my people, the organization, all of that. And I think part of my leadership lesson and the reason why that always stands out to me is I live by my values. The book I published is my values. I, I believe in my heart of hearts when leaders ever feel like, I'm not sure what direction I should go or whatnot. I'm always going back to, well, what are your values? Because then you can start to line stuff up against that. And I feel like that day was the day that it really put that on a mantle for me of like, don't forget that part. Don't forget that you can have hard days. But as long as you live by your values, you're good. Right. I, I just go back to an early mentor in my career used to say, right, if it's coming from the right place, it can't be wrong. It can be misguided. It can maybe not the right thing right now, but it's not wrong. And that's what I kind of hear is like, if I think as leaders, sometimes we have probably have people in our organizations and because we've also been that where they don't want to bring those things up. They don't want to disagree, but if they're coming from the right place and thinking about it, we need that idea on the table. Right. And and the that fear that you overcame to say, no, I think this voice, this idea needs to be on the table as well, not instead of, right? But it's that collaborative, like I think we need to consider all options mm-hmm. is a really important one because a lot of organizations have people that just don't speak up when they right. have other ideas. And as leaders, we don't actually create the space for people to speak up either. Yeah, I think that's a really big point. I, you know, the other side of that leadership lesson to me is I, from that point on, as I was leading teams, I tried to do that really intentionally. What I tried to do was make space for the team to be able to give me feedback. And I know that we talk a lot about that. So I want to somewhat break that down where people say, you need to always ask for feedback. You do need to ask for feedback and you need to be ready for whatever feedback it is that you might receive, but you actually sometimes need to call it out because people aren't necessarily always comfortable giving feedback. So from from that point on, what I started to do with my team too, is I might actually say something and I'll use that example of the former boss that I had. She had a preference. She had somebody she wanted to use. She had a program that either she'd used before, thought worked and wanted to bring that in. I will say those kinds of things and I've said those kinds of things to my team moving forward where I might say, you know what? I know you're, we're all putting our opinions on the table. I want you to know that I potentially have a bias here. So let me share what you, what I think. And I want you all to know that 
that I recognize that and I don't want that hold you back to saying, hey, we need to consider something different because I'm open to it, but I also recognize that I have that. And I think, you know, maybe some people might call that vulnerability, but I actually just think that's being like a truth teller. And I think that's incredibly important as a leader is, is it's it's not so much about you showing weakness or you saying that I have these faults or whatnot. It's actually just saying, this is the truth. I need you to know that I recognize this as part of the truth of the story. And now how could you react to that? And that's the self-awareness to say, there's nothing wrong with you because you have a bias. You don't have to feel shame because you have the bias. You have to just say, I know there's bias in here, right? Or I'll say a lot with my team, like, okay, here's what I've got. And I know I've got gaps, right? I know I'm missing some stuff. So what are you seeing that I'm missing? And maybe there isn't anything, but I want to open the door so that they're like, they feel like they can walk through it to say, mm-hmm. you are missing something. And here's the piece I think we're missing. And most of it's language. It's small tweaks to language, right? And to self-awareness on, do you know that you have a bias? And let's just throw it out there. I agree with you. Vulnerability. I think vulnerability is a little misconstrued and that it has to be this like super emotional type thing. I, I think it's just being like, I know I have a blind spot. Can you tell me more about my blind spot? Right. Can you help me? Right. With and you're creating the space and opening the door. We use creating right. space all the time, which I love that. Um, describe for me who the leader, how would you describe yourself as a leader today? Who are you as a leader? What are those values? <laughs> Well, I, I do, I go back to the value piece. I'm really clear on what I value and how I, you know, sort of align myself yep. against that, make decisions against that. Um, I, I, you know, I, I look at myself as a leader now, um, sometimes similar as the way in which I started my career. I mean, even as a middle school teacher, so much of what I was doing was asking questions. Um, my role was not to tell students what to do. My role was to guide them through mm-hmm. learning. And I mean, even at a, an early age in my career like that, I remember having those moments of like, this this could be different. We don't have to teach these these children all the same way. There's opportunities for each one of them to have success and some wins. And And so I always feel like there's an opportunity for whoever's on my team to be able to do their best work. And I I talk about the fact that my role as a leader is to provide the environment by which people can do that. So that's asking a lot of questions, providing guidance, and of course, vision. But at the end of the day, if I've brought in someone to help me do something, I've brought them in to do a job. It's not, it's not my role to oversee that in a way that I know people talk about micromanagement, but I, I, I would even say it's, it's more around when you close people in so much that they can't do their job. It's like, you need to let them grow and learn too, just like you're growing and learning. So I think my role as a leader so much these days is just, it's asking questions and being a guide for people. I, I bring that into my coaching, whether it's executive coaching or personal career coaching um, with wow. clients that I have, I think it's just super important. I love that. The curiosity and asking questions. I talk to my kids about this because I think it's the number one skill mm-hmm. it, it is you have to be inquisitive, You right? About the human, you know, just humans, about business, about like, that's where you actually learn. Like, yes, you know, go, you can go to college and you can, but like when you're inquisitive, that's where that stuff gets pulled out. And as a leader, I'm constantly amazed by the things I learn from people that earlier in their careers, right? That you wouldn't expect that there's a ton you can learn, but you can. And I think we think so hierarchically in our leadership and that's not, Mm -hmm. 
that's not the leadership of the future, right? It's right. Because we all have something to learn from each other, no matter where we're at in our journey. Well, well and you said something there about with your kids having that skill. Mm-hmm. And when you relate that to the leadership of the future, I mean, I think this is an incredibly important point. Our, our children, not only are they hearing that from your children are hearing that from you, I totally echo it. They're also hearing it very early on in their education experience. So I always, I also share with leaders and other adults in my life, whether we're talking, whether we're in a corporation or we're doing work together or it's a neighbor, it's, you know, one of the things that we really need to be super mindful of is that our, our kids are doing these things. And so this whole, however we've been taught, or if we were told to do certain things, it, that environment is changing. So this, this idea and quite frankly, accepted practice of being curious is not only the right thing to do, it's quite frankly, what you're going to have to do because they're, they're ready to offer opinions. They're, they're already asking questions and being inquisitive. So I I think that's, if anything, there's a really big tie in there between what you said with your, with your children and what we expect leaders to be able to do now and in the future. Right. I I love that. What's, what do you see with the leaders you work with? Because again, you do a lot of executive coaching and right, and you hear what they're struggling with. What are the biggest challenges you're hearing from a leadership perspective right now? Um, I don't know that it's necessarily new. It's certainly more prevalent and, and I'm sure that could be attributed to a number of things that have been going on over the past, you know, two to three years. But I, I see a lot of leaders that are struggling with alignment with their peers and everyone and and where they struggle with alignment specifically is not because they're all doing something for the different end goal. That's that's not it. There's strategically there is alignment for what they're trying to do. But because everyone is still somewhat in reactive mode at this point and they're still um potentially in uh taking on far more than maybe is even reasonable for themselves as well as their departments or their teams. I think there's just a lot of, you know, people working in, in silos. I know people say that a lot, that term, but they're, they're working independently in these areas because they're trying to get stuff done, but also being challenged and recognizing the struggle of alignment with other leaders. So, I mean, I've always, try to focus first and foremost on on the leader themselves. I really believe that at the heart of all of this is us personally taking responsibility and accountability for our own leading ourselves. So Mm -hmm. I start there with leaders and then we start building, you know, what are the opportunities for them to not only, uh, you know, do that one big thing that would make a monumental impact, not only on themselves and their personal life, but of course in their professional life. And then you can start to work across the teams. Right. I feel like that's a big piece of that. And this in the CEOs, and I, I say CEOs because you need to start at the top of the organization to understand how important this is for your senior leaders, they included, they they need to buy into that idea that it's it's not just us like we're gonna fix our tight team or we're gonna fix you know each other or we're gonna fix them over there. It's like, no, we're all gonna start with ourselves. We're gonna start there. Right. And then we're gonna start building that out to what that means as us to us and for us as a team. Right. It's that true ownership 
of like a team and one of my team members and I'm stealing this left and right is she says, the moment you feel like you have to point a finger over at those people, your thumbs pointing back at you, right? Like what, what are you need to do differently? How do you need to communicate or what are you, you know, to make them better? Because I think it's super easy. And we are seeing, you say silos, we are seeing that in clients right now We're and I think it's not because the culture is willfully broken and people don't want to work together. It's because people are just like heads down trying to survive, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Just get done what they need to get done. And so they're, they're working with blinders on, right? Mm-hmm. Almost and not coming up for air to say, wait a minute, should we still be doing this? Or how is this affecting other things? And I think that's what a lot of organizations. So you're feeling forward momentum, but you're also feeling that backward push because we're not getting the full um, return on the work we're doing because there's, roadblocks and obstacles that we're not looking up every now and then to say, we're going to hit something else. Right. Oh yeah. I mean, the ownership piece of people looking at themselves and actually let your colleague know, Jamie, that I'm going to be using that because I, (laughs) I love that analogy because I've, I've said it too, where, you know, I've, I've called it out with a, a couple of my clients where I've been in meetings and they're like, well, um, you know, they're not sure that we're really ready for that. Or, I mean, I think, you know, they've been, they've been doing that and I, I don't want to disrupt that or whatnot. And I'm kind I'm like, okay, time out this, by the way, what I'm going to say has nothing to do with age or experience within an organization. But when, when I hear those kinds of comments, it's like, who are they? Because we are them. I mean, yes, it is us. I mean, that's kind of where yes. I don't know if it's what I started stop talking in decades before. It's like I look around and I go, we are the ones figuring this out. There is no magical group that's either <laughs> out there politically, socially, organizationally. That's like right. doing like we are the people that are doing it. It's, it's now it is on us. It was always on us. But now start realizing that you're the ones that are doing it. So if there's going to be a change, it's you can be making it. You're the one to be offering it. You're the one deciding that that's the right decision to bring up in a meeting. Oh my gosh. So we are them. I like, that's literally like thinking about that because it's so easy to not talk in the we is in an organization, especially larger organizations, right? It's very Mm -hmm. much divisional and it's, it's that back and forth. But it reminds me of a, a podcast. I don't even know what podcast it was that I heard Simon Sinek was being interviewed. And he said he gets a lot from a lot of questions from leaders saying like, I'm really working on my leadership, but I see leaders around me, right? That aren't, or that just aren't good leaders. And what do I do about that? And he was like, nothing. Keep working on yourself and you will be, right? You'll, you'll, you'll have an impact on them. They'll see what you're doing. People will want to work for you, right? All of these things. So stop worrying about them and start worrying about you and mm-hmm. what you're doing to level up your leadership. Mm-hmm. And it was just like this profound, simple, like, yes, right. Stop worrying about the person next to you and whether they're a great leader, just be the best leader you can be and you will influence them. Right. Well, and I think that comes back to some of the consultative approach that we talked early on. I mean, you, you can't look so outwardly all the time, or you will start to lose focus as to what you need to be doing and and what you need to be doing now. So that six months, 12 months, a year and a half, two years from now, you still have those things going. It's, and there's so much work to do. I mean, I think if there's also an underlying message in some of this stuff too, is it it never ends. I, I think too often that's where, and I even talked about it, like 
I've built programs, I facilitated things. And, and too many times I think people get stuck out of there and think, oh, it's that check the box. I'm able to do that skill and I can move on with my life. And my message is, it was never about checking the box, which by the way, I'll just say, you don't do it. You don't check the box and just go, I'm done with that skill or that concept, yeah. right? Yeah. In terms of growth and learning, you you are constantly working on it. And that's the whole point. It's It's growth does not end. It's infinite. So yeah. it's, it's the acceptance, first of all, to sort of like stop and go, I'm going to accept the fact that I'm, if I want to do better, I want to do more, I want these things to happen. I'm accepting the fact that it will always be learning. I will always be growing. And there's not something wrong with me because I have to grow into this next thing, or I don't mm-hmm. have the skills, right. Or the experience to tackle this. And I see this as an entrepreneur and I tell a lot of corporate people, right? I mean, this is where that entrepreneur idea is like, I never have it figured out. So for anybody listening that watches me and thinks that we have, no, we're figuring it out. I I haven't built a business before we're figuring it out as we go, but why can't we just accept that, right? And be okay with each other, figuring some things out as we go, as long as we're going about it the right way. And I think that message of just like, growth is a constant. So I'm curious, what do you do to focus on your own growth? Like, what does that look like for you? Because I mean, you've obviously achieved a certain level of success. You could be like, I'm good. I'm just going to like, you know, sit in the chair, recline it back a little bit, but like, what is, how do you grow and focus on that? I mean, it's every day. I, you know, and I always start, excuse me, I start with people. I always let them know like, Hey, you're gonna have some great days. You're gonna have some crappy days and you're gonna have some stuff in between. I, um, you know, I really try to be mindful of what I'm doing. I mean, I think part of it, it, sometimes that looks like an actual meditation session. Sometimes that looks like, you know, just taking a walk outside for me to grow. It's incredibly important that I take time to reflect. And I've talked to all kinds of groups. I've talked to all my one-on-one coaching clients about this that um, we have we have been so busy being busy in our lives, in our careers, that if we just took some time to reflect and, and just learn what's happening around us, what's happening within us, I think I do that on a daily basis. So there's no like, oh, hey, I'm going to pickleball lessons next week. Or I mean, I do stuff like that too, but I really have just decided that at this part of my life, which I would tell my younger self, to do, which is to to actually take some moments, recognize what good stuff's happening, what stuff you're not okay with, what you want to do about it. I mean, I even, the last chapter of my book is, what have you done for the good of the community today? And I, I tell people that reflection doesn't have to be some monumental event. It can just be asking yourself three questions at either the beginning of a new day or at the end of every day, which is, what happened today? What do I think or feel about it? And what, if anything, do I want to do about it? And I think if you could just pause and ask yourself those questions, to me, I find something every single day to either learn from, grow from, change, decide, oh, that was awesome. And I want to do more of that. I, every single day I get that. I was going to ask you what advice you would give to leaders to wrap this, but like (laughs) that is just the mic drop right there is to pause and reflect and that. That is where the learning actually happens. So this Mm -hmm. is the other thing, right? We both do leadership development and think it doesn't happen in the room. It plants the seeds in the room, right? Of new concepts or new ideas or perspectives, but the learning actually happens in the reflection. 
in when you slow your brain down and you let it cement and you let it help you be different and be better in the next thing you're going to do. I think that's Mm -hmm. such a beautiful message for everybody to hear. Well, and I'll add this piece to it, which could add, maybe answer that question even more. I hear too many leaders say they're busy. I'm running back-to-back meetings. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. That is garbage. And the more you tell yourself, the more that is exactly what's going to show up in your day-to-day. And that's not what is asked of you as a leader. It's the opposite of that. A leader is being asked to be the guide, to be the voice of reason, to be the person that has time for themselves and their people. So like if that could stop, if if that just changes one person that's listening and just says, you know what, I'm done being busy, saying I'm busy, saying I've got too much to do, and I'm going to start prioritizing this stuff because that's where the real work happens. It just what you summarized, that would be one of my biggest pieces of advice for leaders. Yeah. Okay. That is a great way to end this part, but you're not off the hook yet. So we have a bonus round of a few questions that I want to ask you. Just a little more fun, lighthearted. Um, What makes you laugh? Like belly laugh. Like where do those come from in this stage of your life? Um, Well, I just thinking about it. Actually, the office, I have really somewhat dry, sarcastic humor. So the office funny old movies that sort of have that, but my older son has that kind of humor Mm -hmm. and I, it is some of the most funny stuff that will just make me belly laugh. You know, the, the, where you see somebody laughing and you can't stop laughing. It's that kind of stuff. Oh, that's awesome. That's like the best (laughs) thing ever. What's one thing you've learned about yourself in the last year? What's one important thing? Um, actually, that's a really good question. Um, you know, I, I have learned that I, ha- the advice I just gave for, for leaders, the, the, the sort of getting wrapped up into it, it was time for me just to say enough of as a, enough is enough. And instead of just talking the talk, walk the walk. And so um, I think that was part of why this decade going back into consulting and doing the things on my terms, my team's terms, doing this really good work was for me to look at my life and go, there's just some stuff that's not that important. And I'm going to start prioritizing the things that really are. I love that. And last one is to lead well, you need to be well. Um, What's one thing you do consistently to manage your own energy? Mm, I move every day. And I know that that's sometimes people hear that from me. And I always um, am really intentional about explaining this. I I was a college athlete. So I think a lot of people assume, oh, well, that's she was always in the gym or she was always doing stuff. I wasn't. I mean, I took some time off and I don't even think intentionally. Like I, I got out of it. I was not healthy. I was not well. And what I found is that it wasn't a diet plan. It wasn't a workout routine. It was just the fact that I had committed to moving my body every day and not letting a day go by that I didn't do that. That was monumental for me. Yeah. It's such an energy thing. And it just for your brain, I mean, the science, right? Mm-hmm. Behind what it does for you. And I think as we get older, right, I'm going to put myself in that same decade that you, mm-hmm. that you're in is it also doesn't need to be the intensity that we think it needs to be. This isn't an achievement thing. It's a, it's a body awareness thing. Right. And I think as we get older, a lot of people think I still need to run the three to four miles really hard when maybe that's not what your body needs right now. Right. right. So it's paying attention to that energy. I, yeah. I posted something the other day here. It gives to my sense of humor. I was like, if you see me running someone, please kill whatever's chasing me. <laughs> <laughs> From a college 
athlete. I love hearing that. Thank you for giving me permission to not run anymore. Right. I love that. Well, you are a joy. You are a badass. I just, I, I love your energy. I love what you're doing. So if people want to find out more about your book, right, you kind of keynotes, like how you can help them, um, where's the best place for them to find that information? Well, thank you for asking. The best place for people to find information is to go to MarnieAndes.com. My website will point them in every direction. But if they want to um, search out my book, you can go to Amazon um, and look for Start With The Give Me Shots, Eight Homegrown Lessons for Business and Life. Or you can search by my name and you'll find my book there too. We will make sure and include all of that in the podcast notes so people can easily get to it. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Thanks for sharing vulnerably and and just being who you are, because I think it's important for leaders to hear different stories and different journeys to know there's nothing wrong with where they're at. And there's a lot of hope that they can be somewhere, you know, and make changes like you have and make decisions to be somewhere that fits them better. Well, thanks, Jamie. Thanks for having me. And um, thanks for hosting a podcast that helps so many leaders as well. Appreciate everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being part of this community. This truly is how we create impact is by sharing this. If if something Marnie said resonated with you or you have someone you know that needs to hear this, that's the gift of this podcast is to share it with them. So we appreciate you being part of this community. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure and hit that subscribe button so you get the latest episodes as soon as we release them. And remember, to keep maximizing your unique leadership superpowers. It truly is the key to building success, both in your career and in life.